Please stand for the reading of God's holy word on this wonderful and beautiful Saturday afternoon the Lord has given us. And I am thankful to the Lord that we have been meeting like this on Saturdays for many years now. And so I want you to turn your Bibles once again to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. A very powerful passage, especially for this junction in time, and especially for the church. And I am convinced, I must say right at the outset, that many people who are in the church today, more so in years past, are lost and do not even know Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it is because of, it is because of false prophets and false pastors and false evangelists. Uh, we are suffering from the children of the real saints who are in leadership now and they have made their way on their father's good name and they are devilish and sensual and evil and they have led thousands astray black and white. And so, therefore, that highlights this passage even more. So today, and even with the painful chastisement of God upon the church, these characters, these false prophets, false Evangelists, false pastors are hell-bent by the devil to continue and try to act like this is not their fault. The mess that we're in today Otis Moss Jr. I think that is his name. Check, check his name. Otis Moss Jr. Pastor of a well-known church in Chicago. And his dad and many other black pastors. I would be shocked that Otis Moss Sr.
Let me see. Oldest Moss Jr.'s picture and Oldest Moss Sr. I finally thought of their names. And others of their ilk have sold the church for 30 pieces of silver down the river. I personally, let me see, turn around some more, brighten up. Gotta make sure I have the right ones. Okay, lift it up straight. Oh, okay, he must be oldest most uh, oldest Moss the third. Let me see oldest Moss the third. That's that's oldest Moss Junior. Is he still living? Huh? Good, because I don't wanna be like Jamal and talking about a, a man who's dead. But Otis Moss Jr. is the main one. I doubt very seriously in his heart of hearts if Mo Otis Moss Jr. agreed with Obama for this foolishness. But Otis Moss the third. You have to be careful with those thirds. They, they, there's something else. Uh, they're not they're not like the senior and they're not like the junior okay and I know I'm the third as well that's why I call myself the third because I'm sure my dad would want me to do that and I and I I know I want to do that for my son the fourth and the fifth because there's no telling <laughs> but <clears throat> I submit to you beloved and I, and I say this lovingly I like all of these people I love them, but they have misled the church, and uh, I, I submit to you that four of the leaders that have put us in this situation with God, where we have been chastised severely and rebuked severely. Otis Moss Jr., number one, Andy Stanley, number two. These two, especially, and, and their ilk, and uh, and I'm just going to say that the two people who are older, a little bit older than them, I think, uh, contemporaries, I mean, Otis Moss Jr. is older than his son, of course, and so he could have stopped it. Ed Stetzer could have stopped it. And the church is in a mess. Uh, because of these men and their ilk and all of those who followed them in promoting homosexuality, homosexual marriage. None of them saw all of this that has taken place. Since then, uh, I warned them and others, and President Obama and everybody, for over 10, 11 years now, <coughs> 
that when you cross God like this, trying to cause the black church and the white church to accept the sin of homosexuality in the church, to accept homosexual couples who are actively homosexual and not calling what they do a sin, what we call adultery a sin and fornication a sin and wanting us to marry homosexuals in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, abominations and sins he died for you did something very very terrible and we're in the mess we're in today because of you I rebuked uh, the third Otis Moss the third out of hand right at the beginning when my daughter oldest daughter Danny helped me to start doing podcasting yeah and I remember it well it was during the time that uh, many of us didn't think podcasting was going to turn out to be anything now it's a multi-billion dollar business more people listen to podcasts I believe today than radio and it has been incorporated into radio and television and newspapers and everything else. And uh, I didn't start seeing Andy Stanley as a false prophet until after Obama, uh, his first term, I believe. And they have deceived the church. They are false prophets. And they are false pastors. Liars. And uh, they have betrayed Jesus Christ. And the church. And their cohorts with them. And they have shown great influence. They crept in unawares. And um, uh, I rebuked Otis Moss III several times early on in Obama's uh, two terms. And Stanley, who showed himself to be slicker, he crept in unawares. I just never thought that Charles Stanley's son would be a false pastor. But anyway, that's what has happened, people. This is what we're dealing with. And we're dealing with many people who are in the church who are not saved. Some of these pastors cannot possibly be saved. I pray that they are, but uh, they would not have done what they have done. Uh... Uh, and so these are they who have crept in unawares. Anyway, uh, let me move on. I just want to let you know that's where, from what I have, have seen in the church, many, many, many thousands of people are lost and have been led astray. And the church is in a mess. I have no doubt about this. The church is in a mess today. Because of the sins of these preachers, these false pastors. We have been chastised by God. You want to know 
why uh, the coronavirus plague has been on top of the church and has shut down many churches and has closed many churches because of men like the men I name. And I have no fear of successful contradiction. None. And they know it deep down in their hearts. That's why we're in the mess we're in today in the church. Not only them and their ilk, their kind, their tribe. And uh, they have great influence. But great influence does not mean righteous influence. With that said, let's read Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, as I continue to preach in your hearing, the grace of God that brings salvation. And yes, the second coming of Jesus Christ should produce changed behavior, positive good behavior in your life as a Christian, part four, second coming chapel sermon, 300 and 19. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purified himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Okay, uh, folks, you may be seated. Let's pray. Holy Father, God in heaven, I pray in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, I know that we are going to have a powerful service because the devil is mad and has been fighting this service all day. Uh, and so, Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant me, Lord, your energy, your strength, your unction, and your anointing, and the power of your Holy Spirit to preach your Holy Word. And uh, I do pray that you will help your people somehow, by your might and power, to understand your Holy Word and to obey your Holy Word. As you know, Lord, I am still praying for the salvation of my wife, Marika White, uh, who is very religious, uh, but I believe she's lost uh, by the demonic activity of her trying to hinder the services for years, for 34 years now. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it still goes on. And I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would cast the devil and the demons of hell, our Lord, out of her life <clears throat> and out of the lives of other people in my family as well. 
and give us sweet victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would rebuke and bind the devil and the demons of hell, uh, Lord, from us and from these services. And we also pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, cast out the devil and the demons of hell and the satanic demonic spirits of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias out of, Marika, out of my wife, Marika White, and also, Lord, out of others in my family and in uh, the lives of people uh, in churches and out of churches across this country and around the globe. Cast out also the demonic sins that flow from these spirits pride, stubbornness, rebelliousness, witchcraft, uh, uh, lying, dishonesty, deceit, bad attitudes, bad spirits, and this wicked demonic sin of trying to hinder your gospel from going forward and trying to hinder your work and your ministry. And so, Holy Father God, we pray that you would cast that out of the people who have that problem. And now people know, after years of my praying like this, and not mentioning my wife's name, now they know it's mostly my own wife who uh, does this. And uh, she cannot control it because she's not saved. And so, Lord, I pray that she would humble herself for that is the main reason why she's not getting saved is because of her pride. She wants to hold on to what she did as a little girl in Jamaica when she really didn't get saved. Just like, Lord, I was not saved as a little boy when I got baptized and I had to get saved when I became a grown man. So Lord, help her to see that and to understand that. And Lord, as I've already mentioned uh, in this uh, message today that uh, she's not the only one like that and she's uh, being uh, used to hopefully help thousands of others to realize that they're lost and that they need to be saved and you have given me the liberty to do this after so many years of my talking to her about getting saved and uh, behind the scenes uh, and as I said last night, is healthy for my children now that they're grown so that they can look back and know that uh, that's the reason why she refused to hug them. She refused to feed them. She refused to say I love you to them and I had to make her do her job uh, or, she, uh, or the alternative was for her to leave. And so, Holy Father God, I pray that you would open up blinded eyes and unstop the deaf ears. And Lord, we pray at the same time, help everybody else listening in, no matter how long they have been in the church, to examine themselves and see whether or not they be in the faith. Because what we just read, Holy Father God, what we just read 
says a whole lot about the church today. And it says that if people have salvation, they're not going to act devilish. They're going to be godly, and they're not going to be ungodly in their behavior as they go forward uh, in life, as they grow in you. For by the grace of God, the salvation that you wrought teaches us to be godly and holy and righteous in our behavior. It may take us all a different time frame to get uh, on up there in that, but that we ought to always see life in born-again people and change over time. And the Lord, as you know, I have not seen any fruit from Marika White, my wife, nor has her children, nor has anybody else. And so I pray that she will overcome her pride, humble herself, and believe in you, and have it to be so that we all can see the wonderful change wrought by your Holy Spirit in her life, and Lord, in the lives of thousands and millions of others across the country and around the globe. Help them not to worry about her, but to pray for her. And then, Lord, help them to look at themselves, because I'm convinced that the highest percentage of people are, are lost in the church than ever. I'm convinced of that, Lord, just from your holy word and just from observing uh, uh, the church from the perch that you have placed me on. And uh, it's a sad, sad state of affairs. Uh, the four preachers that I mentioned, minus Otis Moss Jr., I believe are lost and on their way to a devil's hell and being used by the devil or they're very, very uh, uh, um, misinformed about what they have done to the church. And what is shocking, after your chastisement and rebuke, they are persisting in their evil. And uh, men I never thought would do this to you. Men I never thought would be duped by a false prophet and a false pastor who probably has been paid and paid off by a political giant to make him do this to the church of his father. And, uh, uh, and to the Bible-believing church everywhere. Thank you, Lord, for other men, noted men, who have stood up against this evil. And I pray that they would be brought down by any means necessary. Uh, Lord, uh, as long as it's uh, legal and right, by your power, not by our power. And Lord God in heaven, I pray uh, that they would, uh, those cohorts would humble themselves, such as Greer, Stetzer, uh, and even Russell Moore would humble themselves and get back to the old landmarks. I believe, I believe they will. 
I pray that they will and not go along with this demonic foolishness and leave that false, those false prophets and false pastors, both of them who probably were paid handsomely for betraying you and betraying the church and putting us in this mess. Andy Stanley and Otis Moss Jr. Uh, I, 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 I still can't accept that Otis Moss, no, Otis Moss III, I cannot accept right now that Otis Moss Jr. went along with this foolishness. But, Lord, only you know. But we're in this mess because of preachers like that. And I pray that you will save their souls and change their lives and lead God and direct them in a new way and in the right way. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Right before I, I looked up some some thoughts about this passage about this passage. Just want to share them with you. Uh, Dr. Matthew Henry said the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to look for the glories of another world then he said, at and in the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, the blessed hope of Christians will be complete. And here's the line I want you to get. And what I have said myself, but he says it better, of course. To bring holiness and happiness for God's people, those who have gotten saved, was the end of Christ's death. That was the purpose of Christ's death. To save you, yes, but also to bring holiness in your life and therefore happiness because you know why some of you are not happy? You're depressed, you're defeated, you're disgusted. Is because you're in sin. You're living in sin. You are watching sin. You love sin in your heart. To bring holiness and happiness was the purpose of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, his burial and resurrection. I'm going to say that again. I want you to understand that because most of you don't understand that. To bring holiness and happiness was the purpose, was the end of Christ's death. And not just saving you from hell, but 
saving you what saving you from what was causing you to go to hell. Sin. And that's why some of you are still catching hell because you have sin in your life. You're disobedient to God. You are not acting in a godly fashion. You're full of hell and the devil yourself because you're not saved and you can't do godly acts. You refuse to do them and you can't do them because you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in you. You have a false salvation. You have been slipped a mickey. If you're angry all the time, bitter all the time, mean all the time, rebellious all the time, full of hatred and racism all of the time, always complaining and whining and putting on a pity party for everybody to join and look at you, and uh, you never, you're never concerned about other people, you're never concerned about uh, praying for other people, you're never concerned about witnessing to other people, you are probably no doubt lost and on your way to a devil's hell. You're not saved. And pastors don't want to hear this because they know it's true. They want, they want to continue on trying to fix your problems instead of get you to the fixer, Jesus Christ. Then I jotted down something else from Ellicott, a very eloquent man. What he said about the uh, so so notice what he says here is very powerful and very important. Ellicott's commentary says about teaching us that verse verse twelve for the grace of God that bring of salvation hath appeared to all men what. Teaching us that what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If you're not saved, that does not mean anything to you. But if you are saved, it means something to you. About teaching us, literally, what this passage is talking about is... It means disciplining us, rebuking us, chastising us. Then he goes on to say, by disciplining us by life's sad experiences. Many sad experiences we have in our Christian life, don't we? Death is one. Uh, having problems in your marriage is one. Having problems with your children, being disobedient or whatever the case, going astray is one. Uh, financial issues, tribulations, troubles, trials, tests, and tensions. God uses all of that to break you and to make you and to mold you to be what he would have you to be. So I submit to you, my beloved, that yes, at special times, if we have sinned grossly in God's sight and we persisted in our sin, 
God will chastise us and, if you will, use corporal punishment and take us to the woodshed and whip our behinds. I've been there, I know, uh, some years ago, and it changed my life. You say, what? I thought salvation changed life. Yes, it did. But this right here, disciplining me, changed my life. It was almost like a born-again experience. A born-again, born-again experience. I was not worried about it. I heard preaching on uh, chastisement when I first got saved. I didn't believe the preacher. I didn't believe my loving God would whip me. But he, he showed me better than he could tell me. Okay, and that's, why, that's one of the reasons why I'm here today. I could be doing anything. I've preached thousands of times. I've probably preached more than any living preacher. I can take off at any time. And God has given me a little leeway now that I have completed my assignment that he gave me. But I'm here because of my fear of God and my love of God. Where is me if I preach not the gospel? And particularly at a time like this. Preacher, you could take a vacation if you want to, but uh, the coronavirus uh, plague is still on top of us. Many people are still dying in this country and around the world. Uh, world War Three is about to break loose. Babies are dying of hepatitis. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> there's a fear of a, a bird flu. And on and on we could go. So if there ever was a time to preach the gospel every day, that time is now. I have only stayed with my wife because of how God chastised me to fear him and to obey him and to respect him and respect his words and my vows to him. That's the only reason why. Uh, I do the things I do because God loved me so much he would not let me stay the way I was and, uh, and so and that's that's chastisement but let me just help you I believe the discipline once you get saved the discipline of God begins to happen immediately this is why we go through so many different things and experience so many negative things in our lives as Christians. Have you noticed that? God is disciplining us. We are disciples right from the start. The word disciples has discipline in it. And Ellicott goes on to say, uh, God teaches us holiness and godliness uh, by disciplining us right from the start by life's sad experiences, painful experiences. God's grace is, in truth, watch this, a stern discipline. God's, say what? See, most people in the church today, they don't know anything about the grace of God that is stern. They think that the grace of God is soft and like a, like a marshmallow and they can do whatever they want to do under God's grace. And that is not the case. And if you, are think, if you think that way, you're not saved. You're not born again. 
God's grace is in truth a stern discipline of self-denial and training for higher things. So you're being disciplined as a disciple from the time you get saved until you leave here. Because God is preparing you for greater things. So don't, don't uh, fall apart under tribulation and troubles and trials and temptations. Because you have a demon-possessed person in your family. Judas was a demon-possessed person. Jesus had his Judas. God had his Judas. His name is Lucifer. Who are you to think you're going to uh, travel to heaven on a flowery bed of ease? And so, ladies and gentlemen, I thought I'll share that with you. I'm going to share something else with you next Saturday if the Lord tarries is coming and we live. But in the meantime, Dr. William Barclay said the best way to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ is never to forget the presence of Christ. Walk in the presence of Christ. And he's right about it. Now, beloved, in this message, we are going to continue looking at what Paul wrote to Titus about how Christians should live in light of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the Bible knowledge commentary continues as I didn't finish giving you background information last week and I love to do it it meant the world to me when I was a young Christian when I was under a preacher a pastor who would give background knowledge historical uh, facts about the text and all of that and um, I was saved in a church that poo-pooed on Bible schools and seminaries, and I understand why. And and my pastor was right at that time for my life, um, in the sense that it would have not. It would. Let me back up. It would not have been good for me at the time. I got my best education at the local church. That's real talk. Every preacher. Before you pastors send your preacher boys, those who say they're called to preach, make sure they're not mama called, make sure they're not daddy called now. Make sure you, you didn't call them, because they're going to be a mess. Make sure they're not just a volunteer like Andy Stanley, not called by God. Just because they have the gift of gab does not mean they're called by God. A preacher must be interested, saved and interested in holiness and godliness as well, big time. In his own life first. Uh, keep that preacher boy with you. Teach him and train him yourself, pastor. Let him go through some things with God and with people in the church right there. And uh, in most cases, he can skip the seminary. But what the seminary will do, if it's a good Bible-believing conservative uh, seminary, it, it, will, it will teach them some things that uh, will help bring out the passage a whole lot more if he's faithful to the passage. 
keep that preacher boy with you for at least 10 years before you even send him. And make sure he's, go, he's, he's the real deal. He goes out and wins souls for Christ. He witnesses on the street. He's a soul winner. And there are souls in your church, in the church that you pastor, that he has led to the Lord. And he's the only one who ought to get to preach as well. He's the only one who uh, ought to get to preach as well. Uh, not the slick-looking, uh, talking seminarian who's dead as uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. In fact, uh, if a preacher is uh, not a soul winner, he's going to be dead. He's not going to have wisdom, knowledge, understanding, insight. He's not going to have the power. Why? Because God will not give it to him. He's not, he's not obeying the simple things of the Christian faith. Praying, witnessing for the Lord, reading the Bible, having devotions. He's not faithful uh, to God in the little things. So he, he can't teach anybody anything. How many of you, God has taught you that? That if you don't do the basic things yourself, if you don't pray, you don't read the Bible, you don't uh, witness for the Lord, He's not going to give you more wisdom, knowledge, understanding, insight, power. To do what? Nothing? Why would He do that? That's why so many pastors and so many teachers today in the church and people in the church are constipated. They take in, especially my Bible brethren and sisters. I love them. I love them all. Some, some are doing very well. And we thank God for them. But some of my dear Bible brethren, they love to get around the Bible study table. And they love to study the Bible. And they never witness to anybody. It's just they're for no more. And they're just as content as they can be. And happy and laugh their head off uh, at the uh, bagel and coffee table studying the Bible, and they gossip half of the time, of course. And then my Baptist brethren, they're close right there with them. Uh, don't even pray, and they just go right on into the bagels and coffee. And by the way, uh, I had one of the best bagels I ever had in my life today. My daughter, Daniqua, uh and I we got some bagels last night, and, and she put, put that cream cheese on on the day, man, I tell you what, I, I had a time. So I'm not, I'm not against bagels, and I'm not against coffee either. Even though I know some of my Christian friends believe that drinking coffee is a sin, eating a bagel is a sin, oh, everything is a sin. But anyway, uh, they don't do anything. They're constipated at Many Bible church folk, many Southern Baptist folk, many National Baptist folk, many uh, Methodist folk are spiritually constipated. They have no joy. They have no peace. Uh, they are not excited about God. They're not, they're not excited about the uh, second coming because they're backed up. You know why they call the Dead Sea the Dead Sea? Because it takes in and does not give out. You must give out as a Christian. It is crucial, moreover, to see, back to the text, that this 
one whom Christians look forward to meeting is the same one who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own. A peculiar people. A different people. As a true born again Christian, you're going to be different no matter how hard you try not to be different and to fit in. They will be able to smell you. They'll know you are. You belong to Jesus. You can't, you can't fake it. You can't hide it, rather. <clears throat> Eager to do what is good. Holy, godly, righteous. There's something wrong with your salvation. If that is not your heart, you're always looking to do something evil, rebellious, disobedient, the devil drives you to do evil and foolishness to the point of having a satanic grin about it, a satanic smirk. And nobody can smirk and make empty people smirk like the devil. The evil grin. Sometimes you see it uh, when the prisoner takes his little mugshot. They murder somebody where they got an evil smirk on their face. A holy people was his purpose in paying such a fearful price. Therefore, knowing that all he has done and why he has done it, a Christian who truly loves Christ, a born-again one, and looks forward to his return will pay any price to bring his life into conformity with his beloved Lord's will. That's what born-again Christians strive to do. It may be rough sometimes, it may be tough sometimes, uh, it may not be easy sometimes, but deep down on the inside, that child of God, that born-again one is trying to line up his life with God's will. Jesus Christ talked about that. Doing the will of my Father which is in heaven. Those who don't do that, he will say to them one day, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Uh, they, they, they're going to do that. They're going to have that in their heart. And they are going to know that they will offend the Lord if they don't do that. Because they do not want to disappoint him at his return. Do you have that kind of heart? Do you have that kind of spirit? This was the Apostle John's thought when he wrote about the hope of Christ's appearing. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. See, if you have the grace of God that brought salvation, that kind of salvation in you, and you have the hope of seeing the Savior who died for you in the future, it has a, a way of purifying you.
just as he is pure. Purifying you mean you will be uh, leaning towards godliness and not ungodliness, righteousness and not unrighteousness, holiness in your behavior. You are grieved, there's a grieving that goes on in your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Anytime you say something unholy, ungodly, you think something unholy, ungodly, uh, you do something unholy, ungodly, and unrighteous. I know this kind of preaching is not popular today, but this is what we need. And some of you cannot do it because you're not saved. You have no interest in it whatsoever. You All you have an interest in is showing forth to people that you are a Christian like them. And you're a good faker for one hour on Sunday morning. You are a good faker uh, in public, but not behind the scenes. Uh, the devil, you let the devil come out of you behind the scenes. The Adams family, at home, the Brady Bunch, at church and in public. And it's the strangest thing. You, you want people to think that you're holy and you're a Christian. But you're not holy and you're not a Christian. You're full of hell and the devil. And you know it. And you, and you continue in your evil and your sin and your lying, your stealing, uh, your rebelliousness, your stubbornness, your foolishness. Because it's not real to you. But you want everybody to believe that you are saved and you're not. A full understanding of these things leads inexorably to godly living. Okay, if you are truly saved by the grace of God, that uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. <coughs> That kind of salvation. Looking for that then the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Those two bookends are to move you to live a godly, holy, righteous, sober life. Okay, and listen to me very carefully people. Before you cry legalist. Nobody. God. Jesus. This preacher. Nobody's trying to make you be godly. Nobody is trying to make you act righteous. Nobody is trying to uh, make you uh, avoid worldly lusts. Because that's futile. All we're saying is that if you have experienced this salvation that comes from the grace of God on the front end, therefore having uh, a desire to see Jesus Christ on the back end, you ought to be living a godly, pure, holy life, and you ought to be full of God's peace and God's joy. And the reason why many of you people in the church 
are on the borderline, on the verge of committing suicide. Many of you so-called Christians in the church, you have a lost heathen therapist on your phone that you call to talk to because you don't want the Christians at the church to know who you really are and what you're dealing with. Some of you got California psychics on your phone. You, you'd rather call a California psychic, psychic uh, instead of a man of God. And you believe what that devilish psychic says instead of the man of God. Conversely, ungodly living in a Christian is a clear sign that either he does not fully understand these things or he does not actually believe these things or she does not actually believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. How about it, dear friend? God has taught me very well that in this day and time I have to be very careful what I call people and how I pray for people. He, he has changed my prayer. I don't say Christians. I say people who name the name of Christ. I was getting ready to say Christian friend. Well, I don't know if you're, uh, you might be a friend, but I don't know if you're a Christian or not. And therefore, you're not a good friend. How about it? Dear person. Have you experienced this kind of salvation where you are immediately disciplined by the Lord? The training takes place because you are a disciple of Christ now and God does not play? Yes, we all, most of us as Christians have experienced a sweet honeymoon, but during that honeymoon, that first love honeymoon with the Lord, uh, we were so excited about being saved and on fire and on cloud nine serving the Lord, uh, you know, we never put our Bibles down. We had our Bibles with us everywhere. We went witnessing everywhere. Uh, we didn't have time to sin and do evil. And, and so we didn't, he really didn't have to whip us. That first, that first year or so, we were, uh, we were fired up and ready to go if he got saved. truly saved but the discipline starts early on and God just showed me that I learned the hard way regarding his chastisement his corporal punishment and it changed my life I feel sorry for you if it didn't change yours and do you know a lost person will not even respond to chastisement and rebuke and punishment They'll pause for a minute or two like Pharaoh and then drown themselves in the sea being rebellious and stubborn and disobedient. So if you want to be truly saved today and experience the grace of God that brings salvation and then have that hope of the second coming. He said, Preacher, do you have the hope of the second coming of Christ? Well, I hope so because this is... Uh, my 20, let's see, 319th message 
which represents 319 Saturdays I've been preaching on the second coming in this series. We preached on it before that too. I hope I'm looking for the second coming of Christ, and I am. I have the hope of that in my heart, and, 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 and it's very real. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is coming in the rapture, that Jesus Christ is coming in the second coming. And by the way, in case you're wondering, I, I really don't believe the bad things that are happening to America. Of course, the signs are leading to that. But the, the, the particular bad things that are happening in America, this is a chastisement upon the church in America. The leading so-called church in the world and the leading country so-called in the, in the world. And there's a whole lot of collateral damage that we, we, we as Christians are, are answering for. How could it be that the great America can be the leading country of deaths? How could that be? Other than God chastising the church and this uh, place called America. Talking about in God we trust. Now listen to me. I, I'm a Bible-believing Christian person. And, and so therefore I'm conservative in my uh, thinking. And right now there's a petition going around by a conservative Christian organization saying you need to, you need to sign this petition to keep God, uh, in God we trust, as our motto in the nation. Evidently there's some people trying to take it down. Listen to me. Listen, I mean, hear me well. That does not mean anything to me. Because we don't even have as our motto, in God we trust in the church. You don't trust God and disobey Him and, and let evil come into the church. I don't care about the motto being in God we trust. It's blasphemy. That stopped a long time ago when y'all y'all uh, colluded together. The church and the government colluded together to bring homosexuality and homosexual marriage in the church and in the nation. The powers that be, the governmental powers that be, chose to do that, and then they sought out pastors to make it acceptable in the church. And I believe they got paid. They sold Jesus down the river for 30 pieces of silver. So this, this, uh, there's no in God we trust. We don't have that as the motto in the church. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not signing anything. And I have warned you all for, I think it's over, going on 12 years now, uh, over 12 years, about all of this mess. God led me to do so. You didn't take heed to God. You didn't take heed to me. You didn't take heed to the other people who were warning you. And now you want me to help you fight Mickey Mouse. I'm not doing that either. I'm not doing that. And I hope Dr. Tony Evans does not do it either. And other preachers who have warned you over and over again. I'm not going to fight Mickey Mouse with you. I'm not, I'm not going to get all caught up in your little political mess that you're going to be doing this year. Some people have asked me, aren't you going to help us? Help you what? With what? You, you knew better and you, you, and you, didn't, you, you heard better and you did not do better. 
You're the one, you're the reason why we're in this mess, church. Governors and, and book writers, authors, got to fight this battle now because you never saw this coming. You never saw the demonic foolishness that's going on with the homosexual community. You never saw that coming. You thought as far as you would have to go is having a, a couple of homosexuals in your church. And you know it's demonic because it's, it's a multiplicity of, 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 of different kinds of sexual preferences and sexual orientations. That's why they call it LGBTQ+. And you want me to fight for it. In God we trust, I'm not doing that. You want me to fight Mickey Mouse with you? I'm not doing that. I'm not wasting my time with that. No, no, because you, you people knew better. You created this mess. And now the world, people in your local schools who go to your church, they are wondering, what happened to you, church? Why did you let this happen? My daughter, they invited my daughter to an art class after school, and it was a homosexual meeting. They're trying to get her to become a boy. Where were you? Michael Brown wrote a, a, an article from his heart. He just finally came out with it. And it broke my heart. Because the people in the church, in local churches across the nation now, are dealing with demonic garbage about their children who was a happy boy one day, now he wants to be a girl and dress in girls' clothing and got, the, got his mother going down and his father going down to Walmart to buy him some dresses. Are you kidding me? The poor lost people got to fend for themselves because the church did not hold this demonic foolishness back. Don't bother me with that mess. You want me to fight with you? No, I'm not fighting with you. And I hope Dr. Tony Evans does not fight with you either. He, he's, been, he's been trying to warn you in, from the inside for years. Now he's such a loving pastor and a meek person. He'll try to help you. He has he's shown him every time you've asked him to show up. You never want him to be the leader of it. And by the way, all of you Southern Baptists, you evangelical people, evangelical organizations like Christianity Today and all of that, you need to hire Dr. Tony Evans on as an advisor who does not have to go anywhere. And you need to pay him. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not playing with you people. But you're not going to listen to me. And he's a very nice man. He will tell you the same thing in a different way. You people don't know what you're doing. You don't. I don't care how big and bad you are, what kind of degree you have. Some of you preachers, you don't know what you, you, you are doing in the Southern Baptist Convention. At Christianity Today. At church leaders. You, not, you don't know what you're doing. You need to lovingly hire him on, pay him handsomely, and put him on whatever the board is or whatever. Don't, don't say nothing negative to him. Don't try to fire him. He can't be fired. And 
He needs to advise you people because you have messed up the church. Now he's been trying to tell you this stuff for years. You didn't listen. Now he got to come out out of, out of the love of God from his heart. By the love of God in his heart, he he comes out and helps you anyway. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't. I, I I wouldn't do it. But that's what you people need to do. I, I named some of the organizations. Some of you university, Liberty University. All you evangelical institutions, you need to hire, and, and, and you can see him on the screen. You, all this traveling is not necessary. They got him preaching uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention way out in California. He's already been sick with the coronavirus. Y'all still making him travel at 70-something years old? That's ridiculous. He doesn't mind about some race stuff. I would, <laughs> if I was him, I wouldn't go. But that's not he. He's different than I am. If I was him, I would have a studio, and and everybody got to talk to me through the studio. And you got to pay me. Lecrae and his group, they need to they need to talk to him too. They he. Uh, he needs to be advising them as well because you people have lost your mind talking about deconstruction and foolishness people you messed up the church and, and see the reason why I'm uh, all uh, up in arms about this is because the sweet evangelicals influence every denomination do you hear me it's not just your little Bible group or free evangelical church. You influence big time the charismatics, Baptists, 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 even independent Baptists. We buy your books as well because you're the book writers. You're the Pharisees and the Sadducees of our time. And the only one who has who well, acts like he has sense is Nicodemus. His name is Dr. Tony Evans. You people, before he dies, need to get his advice and direction on everything. Don't do anything until you talk with him. You say, oh, you're just saying that to get brownie points. No, I, I, let, let me tell you something. I don't have to get any brownie points with Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans has helped me more than my own family. And we have never met. We probably would not get along. I, the man has already done way more than what he should have done. And his wife. Now you know there's something. Uh, she's one of the few wives who would help me. But she signed the checks. So don't. Uh, to this day. They've helped me. More than any other evangelical even more than any other independent Baptist where I come from, Southern Baptist, whom I love, National Baptist, who helped me greatly when I wrote my book, Letters to Young Black Men. God moved upon his heart to love me and my family so much, he did. He made up things to get me some money. So I don't have to get, I don't have to get any money points from him. He, I don't deserve another dime from him. <coughs> 
I wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing without God touching his heart. Now, God did it, but God touched his heart. The man does not even know me, and I don't know him. And I doubt if either one of us really want to meet each other. And so, it's not about that. This is what you people need to do. Because you all have messed up white churches and black churches and mixed churches. You've messed them flat up. You don't know what you're doing. Because you're so far away from God, you can't even find your way back. You don't know what you're doing, people. And you're letting devils lead you. So... Anyway, now some of you devils need to get saved. That's what you need to do. And the reason why you're being misled and so forth, because you're not saved. The, the blind leading the blind. So if you want to truly get saved, I don't care if you got baptized at the age of 12. I did too. I was lost and on my way to hell. Went down the dry center, came up a wet center. Lost and on my way to hell. Didn't know Jesus. Didn't know God. In the church. Knew the lingo. And you, and you know I was lost because I was looking at Jennifer with her fine self. That's why I'm in the church. I, I mean, they made me go. I would not have gone. But when, they, when I went, I, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about Jennifer. Hips and things like that really, really got to me. And some of you Christian men who act like that's not the case, you, I'm scared of you. So if you want to be saved today, I have to go. First, accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's law. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You have failed God, and I have too. We are sinners. We have sinned against God. By lying, by stealing, by lusting after people and things. By dishonoring our parents, disobeying our parents. Dishonoring God by taking his name in vain and many other sins, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, whatever it is, uh, one sin will get you into hell. One sin causes you to break all ten commandments. <clears throat> Second, accept the fact, dear friend, that there is a penalty for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We die because of our sin. And what God wants you to know, my dear friend, is that if God allows you to die because of sin 
and you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you reject Him, then God will allow you to go to hell. That's your choice, not His. He did everything He could to save you. He died for your sins, was buried, and rose on the third day to prove that He is God. You do know only God can do that. Uh, you understand? Only God can rise from the dead. Only God can raise somebody from the dead. Okay? Uh, so, so, God, He proved Himself to be God by rising from the dead. So you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. That means that He is God. He is all God and all man. Get used to it. Accept it. Believe it. He died for your sins on the cross. Was uh, buried and rose on the third day. So thirdly, accept the fact, dear friend, that you're on the road to hell. Uh, Jesus Christ said in Mark 9.43-48, By the way, Jesus Christ preached more on hell than any prophet, than any apostle, than anybody in the Bible. Of course, he knew more about hell because he created hell for the devil and his angels. God did not create hell for us, but if we act like the devil, look like the devil, do like the devil, talk like the devil, we're going to go to hell with the devil if we don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we all deserve to go to hell. You do understand. <clears throat> and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt limping on crutches into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus Christ never played. Jesus Christ does not play. So you need to believe he meant what he said. If you die without him, if you don't believe in him for your soul's salvation, you, you think it's hot now. It's, it's, this is air condition compared to hell. And you will spend eternity in hell if you don't Trust Christ as Savior. Believe God's word. Do not think God is playing with you. Do not think God is going to say, Surprise, I just told you that to scare you. Nope. That's not happening. God does not do stuff like that. Jesus does not do things like that. <clears throat> they cannot lie. God can't lie, the Bible says. Jesus Christ cannot lie, the Bible says. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So hell is very bad news, but I have some good news for you. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus Christ said the most loving, most wonderful, most magnificent, and most important words ever said in the history of the world. When he said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you want to be saved in the church and out of the church, just believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you, so that you can live forever with him. It is a free gift. You cannot earn it. You can't work for it. You can't pay for it. You don't have enough money. LeBron James does not have enough money. Elon Musk does not have enough money. They all need to get saved themselves and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Getting baptized can't save you. Uh, speaking in tongues has nothing to do with your salvation. Uh, shouting and jumping and running around the church and singing in the choir can't save you. Uh, joining the church can't save you. Simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, and 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou, you, shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what, my dear friend? Saved from hell. Saved to what? Saved to heaven. Simply believe in a sincere way in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that he suffered and bled and died on the cross for your sins. Was buried, went to hell, went through hell, and rose on the third day for you and for me. He is the sacrificial Passover lamb of God of all time who has taken away all of the sin in the world. Billions and trillions of sins that we have committed since the beginning of time. He paid it all. All to him we owe. The songwriter said. So, dear friend, if you want to get saved, truly get saved today. Follow me in prayer. I'll help you with the sinner's prayer. But you have to help yourself and be sincere about believing in Jesus Christ and praying and asking him to save your soul from your sins and from the punishment of sin in hell. Please follow me in prayer, phrase by phrase, and mean it from your heart. <clears throat> Holy Father God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I admit that I have sinned against you. I have done evil in your sight repeatedly. And I understand that I deserve to go to hell. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. As I now believe with all of my heart. 
in your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins. Was buried and rose on the third day by your power. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and truly save my soul. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to repent of all of my sins and help me to uh, turn from my evil lifestyle and help me to change and as your word says live a godly holy and righteous life by the power of your grace by the power of your son Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit help me to change and help me to follow you in the new life, Lord Jesus Christ. For it is in your holy name I pray. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you just believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it from your heart, I declare to you that based upon the Word of God, the Holy Bible, you are now saved from hell and you're on your way to heaven. Welcome to the family of God, dear friend. Congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Read that little book. It's free of charge, a free download, and it will tell you the next steps of what you should do as a new disciple of Jesus Christ. God bless you, dear friends. God loves you. We love you. And may God bless you real good. Make sure that you pray without ceasing. And uh, if the Lord tarries is coming and we live, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. And uh, make sure that you meditate on the Bible. Read the Bible for yourself. And witness for the Lord. Find you some gospel tracks or make one and go pass it out in the Walmart parking lot. Or whatever grocery store you have in town. Let's all stand for our closing prayer. Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you. I praise you and thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, the liberty of your Holy Spirit. Uh, to preach your Holy Word in spite of the devil uh, fighting against your work. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
that even millions more will hear the gospel and come to know your Savior as the message goes out around the world. <clears throat> and Lord, we pray that you would revive true Christians, save Christians in the church and outside of the church. Glorify your holy name, lift up your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time.